Today on Grace to the Hearers with Pastor Eric Kluth. Grace and mercy are a lesson that all should learn about. Grace is defined as unmerited favor of kindness or kindness. Mercy can be defined as an outward manifestation of pity. Grace comes before mercy and the result is peace. Every man is in need of the gift of grace. Mercy that is outwardly displayed so that man can experience peace. As Pastor Eric continues his teaching through the book of 1 Samuel, he'll be encouraging us to be merciful towards others because of the mercy God has shown us. God has not only given us mercy, but grace as well. Grace is being given something you don't deserve, and mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Well, let's join Pastor Eric for today's edition of Grace to the Hearers. I'd like to uh, share with you a story, so I'm going to read it to you. The boy stood with his back arched, head cocked back and his hands clenched defiantly. Go ahead and give it to me. The principal looked down at the young rebel. How many times have you been here? The child sneered rebelliously, apparently not enough. The principal gave the boy a strange look. And you have been punished each time, have you not? Yeah, I've been punished, if that's what you want to call it. He threw out his small chest. Go ahead, I can take whatever you dish out. I always have. And no thought of punishment enters your head the next time you decide to break the rules, does it? Nope, I do whatever I want to do. Ain't nothing you people gonna do to stop me either. The principal looked over at the teacher who stood nearby. What did he do this time? Fighting. He took little Tommy and shoved his face into the sandbox. The principal turned to the boy and asked, Why? What did little Tommy do to you? Nothing. I didn't like the way he was looking at me, just like I don't like the way you're looking at me. And if I thought I could do it, I'd shove your face into something. The teacher stiffened and started to raise, uh, to rise, but a quick look from the principal stopped him. He contemplated the child for a moment and then quietly said, Today, my young student, is the day you learn about grace. Grace? Isn't that what you old people do before you sit down and eat? I don't need none of your stinking grace. Oh, but you do. The principal studied the young man's face and whispered, Oh, yes, you truly do. The principal studied him more, and the, the boy continued to glare as the principal continued. Grace, in its short definition, is unmerited favor. You, can't, you cannot earn it. It is a gift and is always freely given. It means that you will not be getting what you so richly deserve. The boy looked puzzled. You're not going to whoop me? You're just going to let me walk? The principal looked down at the unyielding child. Yes, I'm going to let you walk. The boy studied the face of the principal. No punishment at all? Even though I socked Tommy and shoved his face into the sandbox? Oh, there has to be a punishment. What you did was wrong, and there always are consequences for our actions. There will be a punishment. Grace is not an excuse for doing wrong. I knew it, sneered the boy as he held out his hands. Let's get on with it. The principal nodded toward the teacher, 
bring me the belt. The teacher presented the belt to the principal. He carefully folded it in two and then handed it back to the teacher. He looked at the child and said, I want you to count the blows. He slid out from behind his desk and walked over to stand directly in front of the young man. He gently reached out and folded the child's outstretched expectant hands together and then turned to face the teacher with his own outstretched hands. One quiet word came forth from his mouth. Begin. The belt whipped down on the outstretched hands of the principal. Crack! The young man jumped ten feet in the air. Shock registered across his face. One, he whispered. Crack! Two, his voice raised an octave. Crack! Three, he couldn't believe this. Stop! Crack! Came down the belt down on the calloused hands of the principal. Crack! The child flinched with each blow, tears beginning to stream down his face. Crack! Crack! No, please! The former rebel begged. Stop! I did it! I'm the one who deserves it! Stop! Please stop! Still the blows came. Crack! Crack! One after another. Finally it was over. The principal stood with sweat glistening across his forehead, beads trickling down his face. Slowly he knelt down. He studied the young man for a second, and then his swollen hands reached out to cradle the face of the weeping child. Then the words were softly uttered, From, may you discern, grace. Grace and mercy are a lesson that all should learn about. Grace is defined as unmerited favor of kindness or kindness. Mercy can be defined as an outward manifestation of pity. Grace comes before mercy and the result is peace. Every man is in need of the gift of grace. Mercy that is outwardly displayed so that man can experience peace. Man can receive grace and mercy, but receiving these, it does not guarantee a change in the heart. You can receive grace and you can receive mercy, but that does not guarantee a change within the heart. The choice is man's if he or she wants to change. There are some who receive grace and mercy and still choose not to stop doing wrong in their life. Eventually, grace and mercy will not be given, and the guilty will receive the punishment that they deserve. Tonight, as we will see in 1 Samuel chapter 26, David giving the gift of grace to Saul. David outwardly displays pity towards the king of Israel. Remember that grace and mercy is what gives peace. And so I want to ask you a few questions tonight before we start in our reading. What have you done with the grace and mercy of God? What have you done with grace and mercy? Do you have peace? Do you truly have peace? Do you, do you give the gift of grace and physically display mercy towards others, extending peace to them? Well, that, my friends, is what we're going to see tonight in 1 Samuel 26. Let's read verses 1 through 12 to see the scene. Now the Zephites came to Saul at Gibeah, saying, Is David not hiding in the hill of Hekelah, opposite of Jessamon? 
Then Saul rose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph, having 3,000 chosen men of Israel with him to seek David in the wilderness of Ziph. Verse 3, And Saul encamped in the hill of Hikila, which is the opposite of Jesmon, by the road. Then, But David stayed in the wilderness, and he saw that Saul came after him into the wilderness. David therefore sent out spies and understood that Saul had indeed come. So David arose and came to the place where Saul had encamped. And David saw the place where Saul lay. And Abner, the son of Ner, the commander of his army. Now Saul lay within the camp with the people encamped all around him. Verse 6. Then David answered and said to Ahimelech the Hittite, and to Abishai the son of Zeruah, brother of Job, saying, Who will go down with me to Saul in the camp? And Abishai said, I will go down with you. So David and Abishai came to the people by night, and there Saul lay sleeping within the camp. With his spear stuck in the ground by his head, And Abner and the people lay all around him. Then Abishai said to David, God has delivered your enemy into your hand this day. Now therefore, please let me strike him at once with the spear, right to the earth, and I will not have to strike him a second time. But David said to Abishai, Do not destroy him. For who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? David said, furthermore, as the Lord lives, the Lord shall strike him or his day shall come to die or he shall go out to battle and perish. Verse 11, the Lord forbid that I should stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed, but please take now the spear and the jug of water that are by his head and let us go. So David took the spear and the jug of water by Saul's head and they got away and no man saw or knew it or awoke, for they were all asleep because the deep sleep from the Lord had fallen on them. So Saul gets word that David is in the, in the wilderness of Ziph. And so Saul gathers 3,000 of his chosen men to seek out David's life. And so Saul and his army set up camp in um, Hakilah. That's how I actually broke it down in my notes. Hakilah. And David is aware of his army being there. And so David sends out spies to confirm that it was Saul. And sure enough, it was. It was Saul. And David came and checked out the scene with his commander of his army. And there they saw Saul and his commander and all the men around Saul. At this point, Saul and his men were asleep. And David says to this guy, uh, to his guys, who is willing to go with me down to the camp of Saul? Abishai answers and says, I will go. Now, Avishai was David's nephew. It was his nephew. And David and his nephew go into the camp of Saul. They come up to Saul, and Saul was sleeping, and he was sleeping with his spear next to his head in the ground. Interesting place to put your spear, right? Next to your head. And Avishai tells David, God has delivered your enemy into your hand this day. And he continues to say to him, David, please, uncle, let me take the spear and I will jab it through his head and it will hit the ground. I won't even have to do it twice. Wow, that's some strength, right? Some passion behind it. Wanting to take out Saul, who wants to take out David. 
David tells his nephew, do not destroy him. Do not come against the Lord's anointed. David tells his nephew, the Lord shall strike him, or he will someday die, or he will be killed in battle. But the Lord has forbid me that I should stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. David does ask his nephew, though, to grab the spear of Saul and to grab the water jug that was by Saul's head. And David and his nephew got away. No one in the camp knew that they were there because God had caused a great sleep to fall upon the people. So David sees Saul and company encamped. They were there to kill David. And David is faced with the decision. He's faced with the decision. Do I kill Saul or do I not kill Saul? People will come against you to harm you. Speaking to you, people can come against you daily to harm you, intentionally and even non-intentionally. But you have a choice either to take vengeance against them or you can extend grace and mercy to them. Why would you want to extend grace and mercy to them? Well, grace and mercy, if it's truly understood, changes a person. I mean, you look at the story that we read in the beginning, by the principal taking the punishment that was supposed to be given to the rebellious student, it painted a picture for that student, don't you think? Here is a man who is getting ready to whoop him with the belt across his arms, and instead he folds the student's arms and takes it and says, I want you to count. And he takes out his arms and he rolls up the sleeves and he takes the belt himself. As the student was watching this, Grace was being taught, just as the principal said that he wanted the student to learn. Crack, crack. As he sees this, it would, you would see that you, what you deserve is being taken by somebody else should drive you to not to do wrong. Not to do wrong. Imagine that student seeing the principal take, taking that. Every time he was faced with the decision to hurt somebody, don't you think that image came back into his mind? Man, my principal took this from me. I'm not going to shove Tommy's face in the sandbox anymore. Seeing somebody else take something that you deserve may cause you to feel broken, maybe even ashamed. Man, that person doesn't deserve. I deserve it. Why are they doing that? After seeing the principal take the belt, I would truly believe that the rebellious student would have thought of the scene before he hurt somebody else. See, God offers his grace and mercy to everyone, to every man, every woman, every child. And the grace of God was given and the mercy of God was demonstrated so that we would then consider our ways so that we wouldn't continue in the wicked ways that we would turn from them. Because here, God has sent his only begotten Jesus, his only begotten son, to take on what we deserve. Although we were not there to see it, we have read about it and we believe it. We've seen the movies display the pictures and it was much, much worse, I would imagine. God's grace has been extended. His mercy was demonstrated through Jesus. The heart of God is that all man comes to repentance. He desires that none should perish. And in order for that to happen, 
God has extended his grace and his mercy to man in hopes that his grace and his mercy would change the heart of man. And oh, by the way, grace and mercy is fueled by love. The Bible tells us that it is because of this kindness from God, this kindness leads us, man, to repentance. Repentance meaning a 180 degree change of the heart. My friends tonight, the heart of God lives in his children who believe in his name. You and I have a choice. The choice is we choose to demonstrate God's grace and extend his mercy to those who have harmed us, or we choose not to. By extending the gift of grace through mercy, that person who harms you can see God's kindness. By choosing to offer grace and mercy, that person will be exposed to, the, to God's kindness. And it's by God's kindness that one is led to repentance. Hearts don't change with harsh and hateful punishment. Instead, they grow more bitter and further away from peace. Extending grace and mercy is hard, isn't it? (laughs) We naturally want to punish for wrongdoing, but that's an area that we all need help from, from the Lord. And I pray that God personally helps me to become more gracious, more merciful, because I truly, I truly, my friends, want to see people experience and see the kindness of God. To those who have received the gift of grace and mercy from God, don't trample it under your foot. Don't discard this precious gift. May we consider our ways and see the kindness behind the grace and the mercy. Because later in the book of 1 Samuel, we will see the results of one who trampled grace and mercy underfoot. So let's continue in our study tonight, verses 13 to 25. We'll see what happens, that David now has extended grace and mercy to King Saul. It says in verse 13, Now David went over to the other side and stood on the top of the hill afar off, a great distance being between them. And David called out to the people and to Abner, the son of Ner, saying, Do you not answer, Abner? Then Abner answered and said, Who are you calling out to the king? So David said to Abner, Are you not a man? And who is like you in Israel? Why then have you not guarded your Lord the king? For one of, your, one of the people came in to destroy the Lord the king. This thing that you have done is not good. As the Lord lives, you deserve to die. Because you have not guarded your master, the Lord's anointed. And now see where the king's spear is and the jug of water that was by his head. Verse 17, then Saul knew David's voice and said, is that your voice, my son, David? And David said, it is my voice, my Lord, O king. And he said, why does my Lord thus pursue his servant? For what have I done or what evil is in my hand? Now, therefore, please let my Lord, the king, hear the words of his servant. If the Lord has stirred you up against me, let him accept an offering 
But if it is the children of men, may they be cursed before the Lord, for they have driven me out this day for sharing in the inheritance of the Lord, saying, go serve other gods. Verse 20. So now do not let my blood fall to the earth before the face of the Lord. For the king of Israel has come out to seek a flea, and when one hunts a partridge in the mountains, then Saul said, I have sinned, return my son David, for I will harm you no more, because my life was precious in your eyes this day. Indeed, I have played the fool and erred exceedingly. And David answered and said, here is the king's spear, let one of your young men come over and get it. May the Lord repay every man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. For the Lord delivered you into my hand today, but I would not stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. And indeed, as your life was valued much this day in my eyes, so let my life be valued much in the eyes of the Lord. And let him deliver me out of all tribulation. Then Saul said to David, May you be blessed, my son David. You shall both do great things and also still prevail. So David went on his way and Saul returned to his place. David, as we see, as he, as he spared Saul's life, he goes over to a hill. He goes over to that hill, a good distance away from Saul. And David calls out to Abner, Saul's commander, his main guy. And he calls out to Abner. He says, hey, are you not a man? <laughs> Why have you not guarded the king? These things that you have done deserve death because you have not protected the Lord's anointed. David proves his words are true by showing King Saul's spear in his water jug. Hey, Abner, hello, I've got his spear and I've got his water jug. Could you imagine the heart of Abner seeing that your king's spear and water jug is in the hand of David? Could you imagine? I have failed. I've, I've, I've blown it. David is p- proclaiming to him, you're his main guy and yet you can't spare his life, but I did and I'm the one who's being pursued. I care enough for him. The heart within Abner probably was just going crazy. (laughs) David proves his words are true. Saul, hearing the words of David, knew that it was David's voice. And he said, is that you, David? And David responds in a humble response. It is I, my Lord, O King David then asks, why are you pursuing your servant? What have I done? What evil is in my hand? Isn't this not what we read a couple weeks ago? The same conversation. What have I done wrong? And David asked Saul to listen to him. David asked Saul, if the Lord has stirred you to come up against me, then I will make an offering to him. Speaking of God, David is saying he would repent to the Lord if he was about harming the king. But then David continues and says, but if it is because of man, let them be cursed because they have driven me out of the inheritance of the Lord. Meaning because of this whole pursuing thing, David is not able to go into the temple of God and worship the one true God in the temple. He's been forced out amongst these nations that didn't worship the true God. 
You've been listening to Grace to the Hearers, the radio ministry of Pastor Eric Kluth of Calvary Chapel Coolidge in Coolidge, Arizona. CD copies of today's study are available when you email us at info at gracetothehearers.com. That's info at gracetothehearers.com. Today's message, as originally presented at Calvary Chapel Coolidge, can be downloaded from our website at gracetothehearers.com. If you can't get to your computer to download or place an order, you can always call us at 520-723-7047. We'll be happy to help you. Again, that number is 520-723-7047. We are so blessed by the technology that we have these days. Most of us have numerous versions of the Bible, And now, with mobile technology, we have the Bible right on our phones and tablets. Grace to the Hearers is available in podcast format for use on any device. Simply log on to gracetothehearers.com and follow the links to subscribe to the Grace to the Hearers podcast. Or simply search for Grace to the Hearers in the iTunes store. Again, our web address is gracetothehearers.com. Subscribing to a podcast like Grace to the Hearers is a wonderful way to infuse God's Word into your everyday life. Please log on to gracetothehearers.com today and subscribe to the Grace to the Hearers podcast. Now please place a marker in your Bibles and make plans to join us again. Pastor Eric will continue teaching verse by verse through the book of 1 Samuel, right here on Grace to the Hearers.